When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. The Vikings have a lot of decisions to make through the course of this offseason. They've got, I want to say it's over $211 million in salary cap commitments. Uh, which means that they're going to have to make some cuts, um, you know, and then you're trying to find that balance between do you keep, you know, where do you invest that money? Mike Zimmer is always going to want to keep as much of the defensive court together as possible. Um, but if you do want to retain some of those players, then, you know, staring at a $14.5 million cap number for Stephon Diggs next year, um, you know, you can make an argument that's one spot that you could potentially free up some money. That was NFL Network's Tom Pelissero there yesterday on Mackie and Judd with Rami. And I noticed what Tom did not say is, stop it, guys. There's no way they would trade Stephon Diggs. And that leads us directly into our topic of the day. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here. The most aggressive or even radical move the Minnesota Vikings could make this offseason. And of course, Courtney, I want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl and how it relates to the Vikings, but we do not waste any time in the NFL. We just go into full offseason mode. There are mock drafts. There are free agent lists. I mean, it's go time. I'm ready for my bump to come in so we can start doing mock drafts. Like, I'm prepared to do one today. Really? Oh, Courtney, our draft scout is here. She's here. All right. She's got a white hat on. That means I'm here. Okay, all right. Um, I'm excited. So, but to get back to you're right, like the off season, it I know that there's now three weeks. This is supposed to be kind of the dead period between mm-hmm. now and the combine, but it never truly is. This no. is when we start finding out a little bit more. I mean, you see, yesterday the Falcons say that they're not going to try to keep Vic Beasley around. He's going to hit free agency. Like you're going to start seeing more and more things like that. Not necessarily teams going out on a limb the way that the Falcons did, but. Starting those numbers are going to start coming out about what the Kirk Cousins extension could potentially be look like, you know, Dalvin Cook as well. But I guess to get back to your original point, were you asking me or were you saying that maybe we'd get to it later? No, we're getting to Courtney, our draft scout later. Okay, and okay. some of the how the Super Bowl relates to the Vikings or what it tells you about the Vikings. All right. But the first right off the bat here because I've just been thinking about this a lot. So last segment with Rami on Score North Live. We discussed these scenarios of trading up for Tua Tugaviola, and I asked Rami, would you trade Daniil Hunter and the 25th pick to move up to number two to take Tua? 
And that was the most radical move I could think of. Like, of all the things that the Vikings could potentially do with the assets they have, Mm -hmm. with the landscape of the draft and free agency and everything like that, would you do the most aggressive thing that you could possibly do, which would be, I think, to trade a superstar edge rusher in his prime to move up? And this would be kind of like Oakland trading away Khalil Mack. Sure. And I look at the Bears, and you say, well, Khalil Mack is great, and their defense is great, but their quarterback is bad, so nothing matters. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be paying Khalil Mack a gazillion dollars to be on a good defense that doesn't matter because you have Mitch Trubisky and won't matter until someone is better. So if you're the Vikings, you might say, and this is just to try to defend the most radical move I could justify, it would be, well, look, you have developed pass rushers, including Daniel Hunter. Can't you do that again? Can't you draft other people or have you know someone like a Fadi Adenabo or Stephen Weatherly or guys that you've been working with become a rotation at the edge and have somewhere in the ballpark of this production, which isn't worth anywhere near as much as a quarterback will be to your franchise? Yeah, and I mean, the fact of the matter is that next contract, that restructure that is eventually coming for Daniel because he's way outplayed the current team-friendly deal that he took two off-seasons ago at the age of 23. Um, if it is a team like Washington, and I don't, I didn't know their draft needs until you mentioned that, and they're obviously the number two pick. That's why you suggested trading Daniel Hunter and the 25th pick to move up to two because Burrow would go number one and then Tua would potentially go number two. Um, they need an offensive tackle, a wide receiver, interior offensive line, cornerback, linebacker, tight end, edge rusher. That's like the way, way bottom. But I think for a haul of that size where you could get a wide receiver at 25, where the hell did they get Terry McLaurin? Lot less further down than twenty five. I'm Debo um, Samuel's the deep, same thing, yep. and you know you can get a corner at twenty five. You could probably, even though I'm not keen on spending a twenty fifth overall pick on an offensive lineman, they have two needs there. You could potentially get somebody at twenty five. Like it's it's worth it if you're look if you're the other team. It's worth it. I'm kind of still on the yes and no thing with Daniil. Um, just given, I don't know if you can really develop a guy that well. Like, I mean, I think that there's something so special about him. He's a once-in-a-generation type defensive lineman that I'm just not so sure. Because look mm, at th- That's I, an interesting statement. I, I'm a believer in that. I know not mm. a lot of people are, are but I I'm am. I'm not. A, I don't think I am. That's fine. But take a look at the haul that they've had the last few years. Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson. Um, help me here. Who else am I forgetting that they drafted? You know, fifth, fourth. Six brown pick. Those guys haven't panned out to that level, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm true. saying. Like, you know, Stephen Weatherly has kind of reached his ceiling to where he's at. We thought it was going to potentially be higher, and maybe it will be because he even admitted he needed to kind of fix some things this off season. I mean, Ofadio Denebo leveled up, that's for sure, in his third year with the Vikings. But can he ever be Daniil Hunter? I don't know. You, but you go to sorry, you go to a rotation if right. you're at that yep. if you're on the spot. But is that rotation going to be as effective when you still have the same sort of issues on the interior? Like, I'm just trying to put all the pieces together and be rational about this. But I do have one that, I, I mean, I can be irrational and go go head flying into the wall, just okay. like you did. We got that. plenty of time for that. Okay. What is it? Well, what, I mean, I, bring one up? I would trade Diggs. Okay. Not, and I know that that's kind of, like, not new news. It's not a new idea. We've been tabling it since week four. But... I would trade Diggs, and I think you can make an argument to trade Dalvin Cook, too. Okay, let's get back to those in just a second, because I want to defend the idea of trading Daniil Hunter to move up to get Tua. Okay. That someone like Zadarius Smith is a good example of a guy who was with Baltimore, and they said, you know, we can't really re-sign you. And he goes to Green Bay, and he's an impact player, and he's really good on a team that won a lot of games. 
In fact, you could argue he was the best at what he does, that 3-4, move-around type of guy. He led the NFL in pressures. But the Ravens' defense didn't really fall off that much. They traded for Marcus Peters instead, and he ends up getting a bunch of interceptions. They get Earl Thomas instead, and they basically filled in that talent on the back end Mm -hmm. and were just as good. And I look at someone like Shaquille Barrett, who was the league leader in sacks, and his team missed the playoffs because their quarterback played bad. And Khalil Mack missed the playoffs because the quarterback didn't play very good. I mean, these the impact of these players can be great. And Nick Bosa dominated the Super Bowl. But what happened? The better quarterback ended up winning the game because that's what happens. And there are a lot of guys who are very good at rushing the passer. I don't think it's impossible to find one. I think it's impossible to find Darrell Revis, like a corner who you could stick on an island and shuts down anyone. I think it's impossible or really tough to find Pat Mahomes are a great, great quarterback. And when you do, the value is so crazy high. With an edge rusher, they, they're two edge rushers who are great were a third and a fourth round pick who they put in great positions and developed. And that's not to say Hunter is bad or anything. He's an unbelievable talent. It's just anything compared to a quarterback, I would trade. Well, I get the value reason for that. And we're so fresh off the Super Bowl for seeing this is the model. Like the Vikings thought they had the model. The 49ers thought they had the model. It was the run first mentality and having a quarterback come through when you needed him to. But if you don't have that ultimate playmaker, the guy who you can trust in the situations that Patrick Mahomes was put in in the second half to lead his team on a 21 point rally, like I think it's so few and far between that you can find quarterbacks that can do that. And I mean, yeah, if Tua is that guy, this is a good option. It's a good scenario to at least play around with. I just. I try to think rationally here because I know who the hell the head coach is, and he's not going to let Daniil Hunter walk out of that building. Of course not. And so that's where my stress level so this is, is trying to figure this out. I just can't I can't equate it. Let's put it this way. It's radical moves you can defend, not radical moves they're going to do. Fine. It's, but, but the Diggs one is one they could fe- like feasibly do. Yes. So let's talk about both of those okay. because those go under categories of being radical for sure. Now let's start with Diggs. There's just too much smoke not to be some fire with the idea of trading Stephon Diggs. And when you listen to Tom Pelissero that we opened the show with from NFL Network, he did not pour cold water on that idea. He didn't say, just like none of us have either that are around the team, we've never said, oh, he's gone for sure. Because we don't know how that's going to play out. We know the team doesn't want to move him. But I've gotten the sense over the last two years that Diggs wants to be on a team that's going to throw the ball more and feature him as the number one guy. And he certainly proved that he could be that when Adam Thielen was out, that he could be the dominant number one receiver on a team that wins a lot of games. That would be his reasoning for wanting to go elsewhere. The Vikings would be to get something really good in return, which might include moving up in the draft, and also clearing a little bit of cap space. $5.5 million goes a long way when you've got zero. Yeah. Uh, so, Well, if you trade him, I mean, he's got a $14.5 million hit right now in 2020. Now, do you make all of that if you trade him, though? Like, do you get all of that? Because that's it where it depend, gets wonky. His salary, his base salary, the 10.9 is guaranteed on the third day of the league year. So who's responsible for the entire part of the base salary? Do you trade him before then? Like, I mean, right. that, that's okay. why it gets... Let's just call it cap space, then. Fine. Because it gets really wonky for how much cap space. So the positives are you get cap space and you can get something good back. Mm -hmm. The negatives are, oh my gosh, you just traded one of the best receivers in the league and receivers are super valuable. So is that something that you would defend them doing if they did? I would defend it because 
I don't think the identity of this team is changing. Gary Kubiak is running this offense, and it is still going to run through Dalvin Cook. I don't anticipate all of a sudden it's just going to shift and Kirk's going to get into a drop-back game, you know, 13 out of 16 games next year. I just don't see that, where Diggs is in the prime of his career right now. He wants to go to a place where he can be the number one, the clear-cut number one. That's just not going to happen on this team when you have Adam Thielen, um, who very desperately needs a bounce-back year next year because it's when his new contract kicks in. He has a $12.8 million hit. Like He has to play up to that after an injury-ridden season this year. And and Diggs is kind of looking at that, presumably thinking, look at the way I've played throughout the entirety of my time here and look at kind of where I'm at among the league's best receivers. I feel like I'm A, underpaid, and B, can go somewhere and outplay this contract so I can get my third. Like... I can't fault him for that. And I yep. also think that if if the Vikings look at this where they think of other needs that they have to get in free agency ahead of the draft, like also, you know, if we talk about clearing up cap space, it's probably the most feasible one to do. And I'm with you with the whole when there, where there's smoke, there's fire notion. Um, we never really put the fire out from week four. I think that it is kind of right. like smothered it a little bit. Um, and what's funny about that is that you and I were even talking about it in training camp, and then it quickly came to fruition in the first quarter of the season that something was not right there with Diggs. And considering how much money he makes, mm-hmm. if you're not going to feature him, if that's not your plan to make him a centerpiece, if not the centerpiece of the offense, the same way a lot of other teams do with their star receivers, like a DeAndre Hopkins, where you're just throwing the ball to this guy all the time, and that's the main part of your offense. I mean, if you look at the number of targets, Michael Thomas is an outlier because they just throw him every play. But even Julio Jones gets 149 targets. Yeah. Keenan Allen even, 147. DeAndre Hopkins, 146. And then you have to scroll all the way down to 34th in the NFL with Stephon Diggs, who's in the same category as Robbie Anderson for his number of targets. He really wasn't even far ahead of Sammy Watkins, who was the, what, third receiver or third or fourth receiving option on the Kansas City Chiefs. If if you're Diggs and you think that you belong in that top echelon of NFL receivers, which I would not blame him for feeling that way, considering his production per throw in his direction, then you might be saying, Guys, I think you just need to do something else with me. I am never for taking a receiver of his talent out of the, the, the mix. I mean, I don't think a receiver is a position where you can just get away with getting rid of someone this good. But it sort of speaks to the situation with Diggs, where we think they think they're at. Like, did they think that 2020 is a Super Bowl run for this team, do you think? Yeah, because, I mean, what else can they do? Well, you could take like, a step back to take a step forward would be the in, one thing. In what there. way? In in the way that if you look at the Viking salary cap, they could make $39 million by uh, removing Everson Griffin, Riley Reef, Linval Joseph, and Xavier Rhodes. And then and so you're just, but like, we're even about more the, from with Stephon Diggs. I know, but like we're talking about the quarterback position here. That's kind of like what it all boils down to. You're going to waste $31 million and just say, okay, eight and eight, we accept it. Like that's... I have a hard time believing that anybody in ownership would be okay with that. And that's why the pressure's on this front office to figure it out. Like, And you do bring up, there are a lot of cuts that could potentially happen. The, the mm-hmm. look of this team might not look the same in a month from now. But if you're trying to win in 2020, then removing Stefan Diggs from the equation is not a way to get there. Unless you draft a receiver early. 
second he, round. But even then, but even, we, we've seen that, and that doesn't always work out. I, th- I don't know why, but this is, and I just brought this back up. Um, I guess, did we ever really talk about the Beckham trade and like what the Giants were doing? And obviously, that was the worst situation. It was a, a perpetual losing team, um, a situation where the wide receiver was disgruntled and went on an interview and basically called out Eli Manning for not being a good quarterback. Like, obviously, Diggs did it in his own way with his, you know, missing practice for a couple days and and some of the comments and then kind of walking it back. But, you know, there's truth to all rumors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Did that trade make that team any better? Did it make the Browns any better? Did it make the Giants any better? I don't think so. Where where I would hesitate is I think that... There's a big difference in terms of how this the person acts. Like Diggs will get a little bit of the he's a diva thing. I don't really think he is. I, I mean, I think he acted like it in week four for sure. But aside from that, Beckham has legit issues and also is playing hurt and also had the worst coach in the league and a second year quarterback who couldn't make up for it and no offensive line. And at his best, Beckham is a complete game changer who you totally want on your team. And even then, he still had 74 catches for over a thousand yards. Like this is his abysmal season. He's still a, a pretty decent impact player. Um, yeah, I think that when it comes to receivers, that the value per position is extremely, extremely high. And if you remove an elite receiver from your team in general, you are not getting better almost no matter what you trade for it, unless it's a quarterback. Well, I, I don't know why, but I'm just going to say. How about Amari up. Cooper would be an example? Amari Cooper goes to Dallas, and then and, all of a yeah, sudden Dak Prescott's great. Yeah, and all of a sudden Amari knows how to play receiver again. Right. Like, I get it, but it's just like I try to, like, I don't know why I'm comparing these two, but it's just kind of what I'm stuck on right now. So just bear with me because let's look at what the Browns acquired in that trade. They got Beckham and Olivier Vernon. And then so what they gave was Kevin Zeitler, the right guard. Mm hmm. Jabril Peppers, and then they had Cleveland's 2019 first-rounder, which became Daniel Jones, and then they had the uh, 2019 third-round pick as well, which I don't remember who. It was a receiver that they drafted, maybe. Whoever the Giants' third-round pick was, that came from Cleveland. Um, I don't think Cleveland's pass rush got any better because they had Olivier Vernon in there. I don't. No, not a lot. And I don't think that, you know, even with a better quarterback— Odell Beckham. I mean, granted, you could say the coaching, it's whatever, and obviously Cleveland was a dumpster fire. We'll see if they can turn it around. But just the situation, I just put pause on a little bit of that because I just don't think that you can say, okay, well, put him in a situation where he can be a number one. Put him in a situation that literally he could create. I mean, Odell Beckham said, give me the promised land. And they gave him it in Cleveland. And look what the hell happened. Yeah. Nothing. I like, just I think that he's just too different to compare. I like, don't know. He, I just, just, I mean, but we're thinking superstar. He's just in such the, a head case, though. I think that's different. Put than that this. stuff out of it, though. We're thinking superstar in their prime. And I know it's hard yeah. to remove that stuff. But we're also talking about a, an organization that is just the worst in sports, right? Cleveland and, and the Giants are every bit as clueless at this point in their history. I mean, with the Vikings, we're talking about a completely different echelon of franchise sure. here, that's, right? Yeah, that's fair. And we're but... talking about a receiver that is generally not a head case and problematic. And this year had about as good of a year as you can have for how much they threw to him. He averaged 18 yards a catch. So so I think it's a little different. And I get your your example is... Like, how did that change either franchise to move Beckham? It really didn't move the needle like it was supposed to in Cleveland. But I also think that they're terrible in a joke. Well, if this team, if we're saying the Vikings are still in win now, which I think they are because of the quarterback contract. I'm, I'm really just tying it to that because yeah. of that figure. Mm-hmm. 
if you trade digs, let's say, and you somehow get a first, you know, uh, an offensive lineman, let's say you get a guard out of it. I don't know who. I'm not going to put any names right. out there because that's tricky. And Courtney, our draft scout, yeah, later. Is, that's later. Comes later. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just don't know if I necessarily think it's the right idea. I can understand the the rationale behind it, but does that make you better in the short term trading away one of your best pieces? I don't know. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't believe so. I, I couldn't make an argument that if the whole thing is how can you get the most out of Kirk for his last year, mm-hmm. if that's the whole thing, that removing Stephon Diggs from the equation in any way, shape, or form makes Kirk Cousins a better quarterback, including adding a left guard. Like, I mean, I know that these left guards for the uh, Chiefs and 49ers are definitely walking into Canton someday, but I mean... Stefan Diggs, in terms of how many more wins or how much closer he gets you to winning, how many more points he's worth than your next average receiver that you're going to throw in behind him, I think it's a big difference. I think he's one of the best route runners in the game. He had a few drops this year and we were stunned, but his history is he doesn't have many drops. He completely changed games like the Broncos game, and he draws a lot of attention even when he's not the the guy. I mean, that that is hard for me to say, yeah, you can remove him from the equation and be just fine. If you're all in on 2020, then you have to convince him that this is going to work for him and then find other ways, which is another thing I want to bring up, other ways to enhance the other parts of the roster, which may mean trading someone else a la Delvin Cook. So you would not be of the belief that you could package digs in maybe your 25th pick to get to a I don't think it's enough. I think Hunter might be enough. I don't think Diggs is enough. Okay. That's that's um, fair. If I mean, if I'm Washington and I feel good about my quarterback, I would probably do that and give him Terry McLaurin and Stephon Diggs and feel great. Uh, and a first-round pick at 25, I don't know if Washington at the number two, assuming that it gets real hairy after that for teams potentially drafting Tua, if Washington's trying to scoot out of that pick, they're going to have some really impressive offers. The one thing you can offer is actual players who are proven to Ron Rivera, who's going to want proven players. Maybe Stefan Diggs would get it done. I'm not sure it's enough. Let's let's say it is, though. That's the only scenario where I do it. But we were saying that they think they want to go all in for 2020. So in that case, you can't remove Diggs, in my mind, if you're all in for 2020. If you're all in for 2021, which is fine, and I think maybe a better direction, then... Yes, I would do it. So then you're saying then do it now, cut all of trim all the other assets around the cap that are currently, you know, bogging it down yes. just in terms of uh, the financial figure. Accept eight and eight. Accept that you're paying Kirk out the behind for this season. Ex- expect that it will get better because I mean, he's probably going to be your quarterback in 2021. I know, okay, but if, I know if, with the I know with the scenario. It's you're all saying, in the premise that he's not. Not okay. That's, yeah. I just there's mm. two there's two different premises here. I have one a is tough time believing that. One is you're all in for 2020. I'm in agreement with you that I believe they will do that. But those are the two choices that the Vikings front office and coaching staff have. And bringing back Gary certainly leans us hard toward the they want to compete in 2020. Yeah. I don't think Gary would be like, oh, we're going to rebuild. Great, like I'm. 65 or whatever like that's what i really want to do with my life is rebuild a franchise or or reload um but if your idea was 
maybe we have to take a little step back and still compete for the NFC North. There's still too much talent here not to be competitive. So we're not tanking. You're just saying you remove Diggs and the first round pick, you get Tua, he sits behind, you still compete. You probably go nine and seven, ten and six. You're in the playoffs probably based on the NFC North being unimpressive. That's that is the way to try to play both sides. But if we look at it as through two different prisms, compete this year or not, if you're saying not really be that competitive this year, but look to twenty twenty one, then trading digs in a first to me is fine if you're getting to a tug of Iola back. And if we we, we trust to us health. I saw people last week were tweeting at the Super Bowl, he's walking around, he looks great. It's, so it's, that's fine. it's always a big it's, part of it that his hip is fine. Yes. So his hip's fine. And we're expecting that it's the 25th pick and Stefan Diggs for number two. You take Tua. Yeah. Then what do you do this about is your, the radical situation? So yes. is that is are you then saying that you're addressing the offensive line in free agency or you just don't care? You're going to keep Pat Alfine around. You don't have to keep him past his fourth year anyways because he's still on his rookie deal. And then you go all in for a guard. The following year. I think that left guard should be, if you have a quarterback who's good, a position that you can replace in the free agent market for not a gazillion dollars is the way I look at mm-hmm. it. And and the Super Bowl teams are examples. Like they didn't spend top five picks on left guards. And no offense to our friend Alex Boone, who's a left guard, uh, but I mean it's just not the position you look at as well, you've got to have that to win. You better have Will Shields there. You're going to lose. I look at it as you better have someone good there, but I'm not so desperate that I'm putting that even in the priority list, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, Left tackle, I would, long term. Where are you going to get that? But if you're. And that's still a question mark with this team that we need to figure out in the next month or so. If you're going down the road of. You're going to remove Kirk after 2020 and put into a tug of Viola because you traded Diggs and a first round pick. Then you have so much cap space to answer all these problems. You have $24 million or $22 million in cap space to answer your left guard issue, to answer who replaces Diggs at wide receiver. And then you, you can use your other picks too, as we've seen second round picks become good wide receivers in the NFL. So, it, I mean, if you're going down that road, it probably means. You're going to be competitive in 2020 still, but not all in. You can win a Super Bowl competitive. And that's where that's where the radicalness is, because I think the ownership and the head coach and the front office and the offensive coordinator all really want to be competitive in 2020. Sure. Here's one that I think is really interesting. This is from Lucky Dragon 84 on Twitter. I've never really thought of this one. Obviously, Diggs and Cook makes sense for the 2021 argument. Certainly do not make sense for Gary in 2020. Gary 2020. Vote for him for president. Um, what about trading Kendricks? You're on this tweet as well. Well, it's this, it's the same thing as trading Hunter. Like, I don't like trading away any star player, but if Tua Tagovailoa is involved, yeah. then I mean, anybody. It's anyone. It doesn't matter. Well, any, that, that, I would trade they already have a succession person. at that position. Yeah. Other positions, they don't have that succession. At wide receiver, they do not. Are you confident then with Anthony Barr and with Eric Kendricks, excuse me, with Eric Wilson, that you'd be okay to get by and you could draft another linebacker, maybe use a second or third round pick the following year, and your defense would still be intact? Because your your defensive line's gonna change. Like Griffin's not playing on this team in twenty twenty one. I don't yeah. know about next year, but there's no certainly not in twenty twenty one. And and yeah. that the whole look of the defense could change after I mean, hell, this offseason, but beyond that too. There's no player who has an impact on winning more than the quarterback, and it's 
so outrageously not close. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the teams that make the Super Bowl now, you have to go all the way back even to 2015 to find your outlier where Peyton Manning wasn't great. It was still Peyton Manning, by the way. And he got a million breaks even to get there. And he was going up against Cam Newton, who had the number one passing game and offense in the NFL that year, the number one offense, and had his best passing year. So it's like it's always passing and it's always quarterback play that gets you in it and keeps you competitive for a long time. Right now on NFL Network, they're playing the Texans and Chiefs. Uh, the a, te- te- a team that retooled its defense a million ways to Sunday after trading away its best player, and it still didn't work out. That's where I have pause, where we talk about trading away your best player on a certain side of the ball. Like, trading away Jadavian Clowney put this team in a very bad position. They tried to fix it however they could. They ended up with an abundance of corners that were just average. Well, and like, you could look at the Chiefs who traded away D4, too. To, I mean, they brought in Frank Clark, yeah. but... I mean, they still traded. They brought in Barkevious Mingo. That didn't fix anything. They, they took a guy. The Chiefs took a guy who was their leader in sacks and said, you know what? Uh, we're going to move on from him because we think we can replace him. I was going to use the Texans as the example of a team that's horrible and has a great quarterback and was in this game and up 24 nothing. I mean, in part because of some luck, but because they have a great quarterback. And they have a really ridiculously unintelligent head coach. Yes, and GM And GM, excuse and me. That, and that's what I mean is that any player, as much as I think – that Kendricks and Hunter and Harrison Smith and Stefan Diggs are all just tremendous players. I would move on from any one of them in a second to move up to number two to take Tua. Because there's that chance there. And you know what? Tua might blow up in your face, but you took a shot at something that could get you to real legitimate contention. Because they haven't drafted a quarterback in the top with a top five pick or traded up to do that. I mean, their last hot first round quarterback was Teddy Bridgewater. Right. So, I guess, I mean... Soft season is going to be something. Well, the whole idea of trying to at least put forth the effort to say, hey, we watch the Super Bowl game. We know what it takes to win. Because I don't think that this argument... um, I mean, if the 49ers would have won, the Vikings could have rested back on their laurels and said, hey, they got it done with that run-first mentality that we had. Jimmy Garoppolo had to throw 12 times a game, whatever. Like... They got it done that way, where they had a quarterback they didn't have to rely on. Well, because now it's completely the opposite, where Patrick Mahomes goes into a completely different echelon of human being yeah. yet again. Yeah. That's so rare. You're just not going to find that with that many quarterbacks. So I get it. If you do have that guy who can be the rare upper echelon of athlete and human being on the field, like a Tua, if we assume that that's what he can still be. At least he can move and has a baller mentality. Sure. Courtney Cronin from ESPN, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone coming up at 3 o'clock. We'll continue to talk about just reacting to the Super Bowl through the lens of the Minnesota Vikings. And if you have thoughts, feel free to tweet either one of us about the most radical thing the Vikings could do. And uh, there's a few takes that I got on Twitter, and one I thought was particularly interesting about what is what we consider to be radical for the Vikings. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download. Tons of reckless speculation here on Score North today. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, join Team Mackey and Score North at this year's Big Climb Minneapolis on Saturday, February 15th at the Capella Tower as we raise money to fight blood cancer. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey when you register to climb. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword climb the question we talked about in the first segment was what is the most radical move the vikings can make this offseason let us know what your aggressive or radical move the vikings should make this offseason over at score north on twitter at skor north on twitter do you agree with some of the rumors we've been seeing over the past couple weeks that digs could be traded do you agree with caller that moving daniel hunter to get Tua would be a good idea let us know over at score north on twitter that's been your score north download now back to purple daily Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here. If you missed any of our first segment about radical directions the Vikings could go this offseason and some, in some ways responses to what happened in the Super Bowl and trying to compare themselves to the two teams that went to the Super Bowl. And I uh, got a tweet that the most radical move the Vikings could make that is, I guess depending on your version of radical, would be nothing. Like, nothing different. The same thing that they've always done, which means drafting a corner in the first round, a left guard in the second, a wide receiver in the third, or whatever, and keeping all those guys, except maybe Xavier Rhodes or something, re-signing Trey Waynes, re-signing, if you can, Mackenzie Alexander, or something re-signing like that. Re-signing Griffin, too. You, and, yeah. And Reef, and you're not worried about cap hits or struck, restructuring any of those guys. I'm filling in the gaps of the tweeter, but that's the sense I get that sure. they mean that being radical in this way means staying status quo. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that? It certainly is uh, kind of jarring. So I guess that could be kind of radical because you think about it. There were clear holes in this team this year. And if they were, if they had the audacity to say, we're fine. Like, to say, we're fine, this is going to work, give us another year. Or they could say, we're fine. We know that 2020, just like what you brought up in the first segment, is not going to be the year we go all in. Let's just keep it here for now. Because then they can look towards 2021. Half the guys are off payroll anyways that we're talking about, the ones that have the high cap hits, the ones that um, you know are a big concern just in terms of the integrity of keeping the unit together then that is something, either way, that I think you could deem radical. Is there a team that's continued to run the same thing out there year after year that it's worked out for? Um, You know, in the 90s, the Denver Broncos continued to run John Elway Mm -hmm. out there after he had already been to four Super Bowls or something. You could probably argue like the the Cowboys for a period with the triplets and... You could probably argue that. With Tony Romo, right? Is that what you mean? No, with like Aikman and Emmett. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they're winning championships. So, I mean, I don't mean that. I mean, like, and and that was really just the start of free agency and and stuff like that. So that was a little bit different of an era. I mean, a team that didn't win it quickly when they had that group. So Aikman gets there. They do the Herschel Walker trade, all that stuff. And pretty fast, Dallas is one of the best teams in the league, and they're winning championships, and they're competitive for a long time. So I don't mean that, and I don't mean like Peyton Manning kept them competitive for a long time. 
I mean, a comparable situation where you don't have a, a perfect quarterback. Troy Aikman or Peyton Manning, those are Hall of Famers. So I should have clarified that, that you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. You have just an okay quarterback. And you continue to send it out there year after year after year after year. And then eventually it clicks after five, six, seven seasons. Is there an example you could think of? Because I'm just going through right here. And not off the top of my head. Like, I mean, Detroit, it obviously has not clicked for, but they've been this with Matt Stafford. Just keep running the same run quarterback. There, yeah. They change coaches sometimes. Sometimes they change don't. Change offensive coordinators. They change, right. yeah. they change mm-hmm. receivers. They put stuff around him, but it's still the same result over and over. The Andy Dalton Cincinnati Bengals. But the, I was going to bring that up, but they didn't. They went, they went to like one playoff game with him. Like. And you've only won two here with this sure, team, and one of them needed a miracle. So that's. I think what, Dalton's what I mean. actually. That's okay. I didn't know if we were talking about like championships or like you know, obviously with not with the Lions. So yeah. I should have inferred it from that. But that was one I was going to bring up the Dalton experiment. Um, like you continued to run that out there. You continue. Yep. I mean, heck, you continued the same guys. You Tyler Eifert after all the injuries, you still throw him out there. They're you know. A.J. Green, with all of the injuries, you still put him out there. I mean, they keep feeling like they're so confident in their core mm-hmm. that they're still going to try to run it back. And they have money. I mean, they've got a ton of cap space this year. The examples I could think of, the Los Angeles Chargers with Phillip Rivers continue to run it back over and over and over and over again. And after Rivers, I think, third year, where they went 14-2 and two, and then Marty Schottenheimer famously got fired, they had one other legit great season, basically, the entire time that Philip Rivers was there. They had one other real shot at it, and they went to New England and got murdered in the playoffs, and that was that for the Los Angeles Chargers with Philip Rivers. And the Atlanta Falcons are another one with Matt Ryan, a very good quarterback who puts up big numbers, and he came very close in 2012 against the 49ers, and they came up short, and then eventually they get to the playoffs, get or get to the Super Bowl, they blow a 28-3 lead and, and all, all that stuff. Uh, those are the only two I could think of where it kind of worked, but it didn't still really work. Uh, if you don't win a championship fairly quickly in in the era of a coach and quarterback, you usually, in the NFL, end up moving on. And if you're the Vikings... You're sort of banking on being different than those teams who had good, not all-time great quarterbacks in Rivers and Ryan, who both might end up in the Hall of Fame, um, but they're not Peyton Manning, they're not Tom Brady, and they just kept going at it and, and going and going and going, and they had some great years and they had some shots, and they didn't get there. So it's, I guess when I look at 2020, doing nothing is kind of a radical take. Like, let's just keep playing it out there. Well, I, that, it, it's almost arrogance because it shows you that they think even though it's kind of been proven otherwise that they can win with this style. But honestly, aren't we kind of seeing that unfold with the offense staying the same way that we believe it will just because of who the offensive coordinator is and Mike Zimmer just being so adamant Mm -hmm. that he doesn't want anything to change there? Well, if you don't change, you're staying the same, right? Like so. And did it really work out all that well for you in 2019? It's the whole reshuffling the deck chairs sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, let me try to make the case. I'm going to try to stay the same for 2020, mostly keep your core pieces. Let's say you move on from Griffin and you bring in somebody else okay. or whatever. You know, I mean, do the things that are obvious. You draft a guard, you draft a corner, you sign a corner, stuff like that. And But it's 85% of the same roster and the same offensive system, and you even don't trade Diggs, so you bring him back. You re-sign Cook, 
you re-sign Cousins, so those guys are under contract for the future, and they're playing, and they're happy. The one argument I could make for that, aside from, you know, it'll clearly drive Vikings fans crazy, would be just that the NFC doesn't have a team where you look at and say, oh, there's just no way you're beating them. And it's funny because I would have thought New Orleans might be that team. Uh, San Francisco was that team top to bottom this year. There's no guarantee they'll be that next year. There are question marks at so many quarterback positions. Wilson has a bad team around him, so it's unlikely that they win the Super Bowl. Like The 49ers, we don't know if they'll get back. Things don't always go your way the next time around. They might not go 13-3 and next year. You have the Cardinals kind of rising. You don't know who's playing quarterback for the Bucks. We know Rodgers is washed. We know the Lions are run by Matt Patricia. The Bears, if they're going to stick with Trubisky, they're not going to be great. That's your one argument that you could make is you look around and go, wait, who would you be way worse than? And it's hard to find any other contenders where you just can't play in their sandbox. They'd be a top 15 team. I don't think that that's irrational whatsoever. And I mean, they're lucky they're not in the AFC because you're playing a foot race here between the Ravens, between the Chiefs, between potentially the Texans, because I'm looking at the quarterback position, obviously, in kind of this new era that, you know, those three specifically have ushered in of how are you going to keep pace with them? Like, there's no guy like that in the in the NFC that at mm-hmm. least, like, gives me the fear. I mean, yep. if Drew Brees comes back, maybe. Like, and we still don't know just what the Saints' predicament's going to be in 2020, but there's no clear-cut favorite um, the way that the Patriots were for so long in the AFC. I mean, I think it's certainly a changing of the guard. The Chiefs, you know, I think in a lot of power rankings that I saw come out either Monday or, or today, most of them have San Francisco as like the number one. And that's fine. And there's reason and, to believe that yes. they will go 13 and three again, but it just usually doesn't, doesn't happen if you don't have Mahomes or Brady or Manning. True. Or and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's that much fear. In the NFC, at least, thinking like, wow, they're just so, they're eons ahead of everybody else that you're thinking your team can't compete with them. Right. So if you're a top right. 15 Vikings team in 2020, like, let's say this is like, kind of like worst case scenario if you do go status quo and keep things the same because of this radical scenario we're working through, it might not hurt you in the short term. In the long term, you obviously couldn't do it, but for right now, in you don't know. I mean, is Mike Zimmer going to get a contract extension? Mm-hmm. Is this going to potentially be his last year? Same thing with Rick Spielman. Do we look at a massive overhaul turnover in 2021 where this team is a completely different look yeah. because they decided, hey, let's just gut it out one more year and see how far we can go? I think uh, almost with no pressure at that point, too, right? When, when you reach your peak and then try to push through it, we have seen this go awry for some teams. And a good example would be the Falcons who they go to the Super Bowl, and then the next year they're pretty competitive, but they think, let's just keep running it out there. And they don't make major changes. They stick with the same coach. Of course, they've got a very good quarterback, but they sort of deteriorate around that quarterback, and then they're bad. And even the Philadelphia Eagles, where you sort of expect this. You win the Super Bowl, and then you have to keep a lot of the same pieces that you liked, and you don't have high draft picks, and then you start to slowly fall apart. More likely than not, that's what we're going to have with the Vikings, is sort of this slow deterioration of losing talent and then not being able to quite replace it fast enough as it's walking out the door, or it's just bad, like Xavier Rhodes was last year, and then you just can't win. So even Kirk's Washington teams were this way. They had strong teams, and they had a shot at it, and they went 9-7 and seven or 8-8 eight and eight or 8-7-1 or whatever. And then when he left, 
And of course, Alex Smith getting hurt played into this, but they just started to fall apart because they lost to Sean Jackson and Pierre Garçon and Trent Williams had an issue where he sat out and things go wrong for you, right? Mm -hmm. So running it back over and over again usually doesn't work out without making some sort of big change that will get you back into it. Um, I mean, the league is built on turnover. Right, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the point. I mean, that's, that's the reason we have free agency. It's the reason... You know, people value such high draft picks because that's your chance to rebuild through the draft. And I mean, the Vikings are a team that certainly prioritizes that. So I just, it almost feels like it'd be irresponsible to remain in the short term and just say, hey, we're going to, we see this as a winning, not great, good, but not great Mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. Like to, to admit that to yourself as a franchise, you'd have to be banking on some big-time job security for people making those decisions, which I just don't think is there. So this is a great point, because if you're looking at being good, not great, I would say that the only way you can get to the Super Bowl is by winning 13 games or 12 games and being a one or two seed. And until I'm shown otherwise in the future, uh, I'm going to continue to believe that. Since the last time it happened was 2012, the last time someone won from the sixth seed was 2010, it's more like I, I've shifted the way I feel about it to I don't even want you to talk to me until you're going to be 12 wins or okay. 13 wins. And you had your one shot at that and you missed it because you went to Philly and got whooped. But if you're if you're going to run back this same thing, minus, let's say, just minus Xavier Rhodes and Everson Griffin and you try to replace them and you draft a left guard or you sign one who's not going to be um, Steve Hutchinson, <laughs> and so who's going to completely change your offensive line. That's hard to do. Same thing with left tackle. Unless you get Orlando Pace, like probably going to get about the same production, even if you draft somebody, as what Riley Reef would give you. And you're a ten and six team, and you look at the Vikings opponents for 2020, and you know you've got some hard matchups in there with you know a team like Dallas. I don't think Tennessee is going to be easy. Your division is going to have a lot of ga- a lot of teams in your division where you probably go one and one against. Even the Lions, like if they improve a little, you go one and one against the Lions and you end up at 10 and six, probably. And in a way, I don't even want to talk about it with you if you're 10 and six. Like, congratulations on being just good enough to be eliminated in the first or second. I mean, that that is status quo. Yeah. Like if I mean, literally and figuratively, if they go 10 and six, that matches where they were at this year. And if they get to the wild card round and lose like and not advance to the divisional playoffs, it's still the same thing. That's still why we kind of make this argument like is the ceiling with the Vikings as high as it's going to go with Mike Zimmer as the head coach with this mentality with the way that this team is constructed and built with this quarterback and I think that there's reason to believe that that is the case and that's why I think the person who tweeted that is right that it's kind of wild to just run it back I mean in a way it's it's kind of like you said um brazen in a way to just be like no 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 we're just gonna run it back next year that's when it's going to happen, Unless even though it hasn't happened. And nobody would ever do this. You're publicly admitting that, hey, we're trying to just run out the time on Kirk's contract. We're trying to figure this out. But so, but, but the thing is, though, in 2021, like if you decide to be status quo, nothing changes. You're not trading your, you're not trading Diggs. You're not trading Daniil Hunter and the 25th for Tua. Something like that. What's your quarterback situation in 2021? You cannot, you wouldn't be tanking because I just don't think they'd be bad enough where they get in position Correct. to go yeah. for Trevor Lawrence. Yep, I like, agree. so, and I, as a resident draft scout on the show, like, have not really taken a look at the 2021 quarterback class yet. But, like, is there anybody outside of Trevor Lawrence you'd be like, this is who we need to put ourselves in position for? 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the 2021. There's there's like a soft launch way to do this, which would be draft Jalen Hurts in the second round or sure. in the third round. And that's one where you'd say, okay, great, but that's like the Andy Dalton route all over again. It's where, okay, maybe you in the second round could find someone who's pretty good. Um, every once in a while, in the third or the fourth, you get a Wilson or you get a Prescott, but not normally. Normally, your third and fourth round quarterbacks end up being awful and never seeing the light of day. Usually, they end up being Sean Mannion's at best, like a, a, a third round backup. Or they become a Kirk Cousins. Mentioned fourth rounders. Well, that's the thing is that every once in a while they do, and Kirk Cousins, at least this far through his career, has not been able to get a team over the top and has won one total playoff game in what five years as a starter. And that's what you're usually looking at best case scenario, unless you get stupid lucky and you get Russell Wilson because he was too short and everyone had no idea what they were doing. Mm -hmm. That's not really a scenario to bank on, but it's one that you could see that they would take the soft launch approach of, well, let's get this, let's get this guy or even someone who brought up trading for Josh Rosen. It's sort of the same thing. If you traded a fourth for Josh Rosen, it's the soft launch approach of, well, let's get a guy who might have a ceiling, and we'll see how he's like around, and we'll maybe turn it over to him in 2021. What happens to him now? Like, let's let's just, like, play the Josh Rosen game, because I'm always, I mean, obviously, I remember all your takes last year about, like, all the different places he could end up, potentially even coming here. Yeah. Like, yeah. are we going to have that? Is that going to end up being the discourse again, that he's going to end up on his third team in three years? Oh, I and think so. finally have his shot to start somewhere? If they want to... Draft Tua, which I could see. I could see Miami. They've got a ton of draft picks. I could mm-hmm. see Miami trading up to two and taking Tua and making him their franchise quarterback, but starting Fitzpatrick for another year. Sure. And then turn it's, it. You could sort of see the plan lining up, especially since their owner said, I don't know about his hip. And you're like, wait, why would an owner be bringing up his hip unless he was trying to be like, everybody remember the hip, right? <laughs> like, you don't want this guy. I want them. So, uh, but there's a lot of different scenarios with that, including if I'm the Detroit Lions, I would want to draft Tua. If Washington stays there and takes Chase Young, I would say, okay, well, Stafford has this massive cap hit. You're in the same situation as the Vikings and so forth. But uh, as it pertains to Josh Rosen, I do think he's somewhere else just as a backup. And then you see how it works out. And then that's the thing is that the Vikings, if they didn't want to sign Kirk or let it play out and see how he did in 2020, uh, 2020, they could do something like that and then decide as they go on, well, do we want to turn it over to Rosen? Do we want to turn it over to Jalen Hurts? Do we want to turn it over to Jake Fromm or do we want to keep Kirk? That is probably the most frustrating of the ways, though, because it leaves your fans with what are we doing here? Right. Well, I think, I mean, everybody else is in limbo until you figure that part out. Right. And in 2017, players said it was a distraction to have Cousins on the last year of his deal and not be sure where everything was going with that organization. And I would leave the door open to that. We all just think, oh, well, they'll sign Kirk to an extension this offseason and they'll lower his cap hit and they'll spend the money in free agency. But Cousins took it all the way to the end last time. And uh, it's not crazy to think you might again. So you have to prepare for that scenario by potentially soft launching and drafting someone in the second or third round or trading for someone like Josh Rosen. So that one puts them in a really tough position um, if he decides, you know what, guys, I'm just not going to sign this offseason. We'll see at the end if I want to stay here.
I think it's possible. Uh, Courtney Cronin, we will get to Courtney, our draft scout, because you've got some draft thoughts to get to just for sure. And it's really just to play the intro to it. it really uh, but those will happen with Alex Boone, who's going to join us next. So uh, if you missed any of the hour, make sure you go to wherever you get your podcast, download Purple Daily, or even if you go to YouTube and type in Purple Daily, you can watch it from there. If you're the type of person who flips through Twitter first and then pulls up your YouTube app and flips through your YouTube app and then goes back to your Twitter to see who tweeted, that's that like when I'm bored, that's basically Is that what, what you I do. do. So if you're that person, you can just type in Purple Daily right there and you will get... Uh, clips of our show so all right uh we'll be back and we will continue the discussion big picture here is there a radical move to be made and which direction will the vikings decide to go for the offseason when we come back you'll listen to purple daily on score north tcl is a proud sponsor of the score north studios tcl america's fastest growing tv brand it's purple daily for the Chiefs that have not been able to taste this moment. This is picked. Kendall Fuller up to get it. And that will end this game with under a minute to go. He kept firing. That's what he did. So, um, And you know, the guys around him just believed in him. I mean, it was, uh, we all did. I mean, all the coaches likewise. And, and then our defense had some, uh, you know, just a couple great stands in there. And, um, you know, we knew it would be a close game, felt that way. And uh, we knew there would be some challenges and we, that we'd have to battle through. And, and uh, nobody nobody lost their poise. They just kept rolling. So I was proud of everybody there. So we are debating whether In-N-Out is a good place to eat. It's not. <laughs> Uh, I lived in California, I think, I think and I, it it's definitely not in my burger hierarchy. Not a chance. Thanks, Boone. Appreciate not you. Not a chance. You, you, Their you, fries you are like terrible. Kale three. All the Dude, time. Like, what, no, what do you know? No, I'm back on the meat train, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back eating uh, big steaks. Oh, okay. Well, good for you. Need you to go way back up. All yeah. right. Well, I like to visit In and Out. I agree that if you let the fries sit, you're going to be in trouble. Ruins the meal. Yeah. You just start with them and let oh, the juices dude. all soak oh, into the bird. We're not. Go yeah, we're it. not in the UK, dude. We don't do this backwards <laughs> here. Okay, this is America. All right, fine. You guys can have your own food opinions, but we I'm live still, there too. We don't going, even like it. I'm still going in and out. Yeah, my wife is from there. I've had plenty of experience Uh-oh. eating at the burger places in California. I enjoy in. Now, and I'm not going to apologize to either of you for it. You should. Um, Alex, <laughs> last uh, hour, we spent a lot of time talking about what the most radical thing the Vikings could do in the offseason. And a really good take from a tweeter was it would be sort of radical of them to not do much, to just stay, like, stand pat and yeah. status quo. Would it be defensible in your mind if they said, you know what, let's run it back and this time it'll work? You mean like? Like, could you defend that? Like, could you defend that line of thinking that they should just keep the truck rolling in the same direction that it has yeah. been going under Zimmer? Yeah, you could easily. You could just say, "Hey, listen, we've done it every other year. Look what we've done every year. We're going to get it this year. We're going to. Everyone's going to be hit on all cylinders. We're going to get this defense right." And I think that the majority of the people would probably go, "You know what? Okay, you know, if, as long as maybe we just did maybe one little thing, maybe we tweak one or two little things, we're good. We'll just let the ship ride out as it is." I mean, if you look. It's not naturally going to happen, organically going to happen, because every year the teams change so much. People don't even really realize how much they change. But 
for what you're saying, yeah, you could easily just go in and say, well, we're not really going to do much. We like what we have. We're going to maybe change one or two pieces, and after that we're going to let this team go back again because they're saying, listen, we got our foundation down. Now we're just going to keep taking steps to grow forward and get better. Yeah, and their whole argument has been every offseason for the last few years under Mike Zimmer, ever really since 2017, that they've got their pieces. They've got the foundation of what they want to be, so why would you go and blow that up Um all of a sudden after a 10-6 and six regular season and a loss to a team that went to the Super Bowl in the divisional round. So, I mean, I understand it. I think it is radical, though, because the whole notion that you're one piece away, well, what piece is that? Is it the quarterback? Is it the most important piece on the entire team? Like, they've never really specified what they think their one or two pieces are, but you can infer just given what we know about this roster makeup and this team and the kind of the deficiencies, what those things are, but... It almost feels like we were talking about this last segment that it would be kind of an egregious move in, in a way for them to be like, no, we're good. We're, we're going to keep the core. We're going to not tr- engage in any of these absurd trade talks that we're talking about during the offseason of trade to Neil Hunter, trade Stephon Diggs, get rid of Dalvin Cook, which, you know, that's all f- he, that's fine. But to stay stagnant, Alex, it just kind of feels like not that oh, there's no effort, but it's almost like, well, we- this is the ceiling. You saw what the ceiling was with what you said was the best of what you could do. Like, how does it get much better than that? 100%. I would definitely say it's egregious. He just asked if I could defend it. As a player and as a coach, it's easily defendable. I mean, look at Zim's track record and say, hey, listen, these are my core guys. I like these guys. If you have a problem with that, that's tough. These guys are going to ride out. But, yeah, when you're looking at this, I think you're more than one piece away. I mean, I think when you're looking at it, the back end needs work. The, the O-line needs work. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about what kind of a quarterback you're going to need to take into the Super Bowl. We just saw what kind of a quarterback it's going to take to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kid is incredible. And I'm wondering, because the one stat that I feel like nobody's really talking about is the fact that he came from behind in how many important games. And he did so, like, with a smile on his face. Like, this is really – I'm not. listen, guys, I just woke up, okay? I just got here. <laughs> Give me a second. I know it's the fourth, <laughs> but I'll figure it out. Like – I'm watching this like, man, there's not a lot of veteran quarterbacks that could just go, you know what, guys, I'm going to turn it on now. It's time to go. And he's done it week in and week out for the playoffs. And then to do it in the Super Bowl because he started out really shaky. And then you turn around and you talk about how he finished that game. I mean, you might be a quarterback away from a Super Bowl too. So let me ask you this, uh, both of you. Is it fair to bring up Mahomes? Uh, because, of course, they're in the Alex Smith situation where you're a 10-6 and 6 team and 10-6 and 6 doesn't really get you that far. And, uh, of course, Kansas City, as everyone knows, decided to trade Alex Smith and hand it over to Mahomes, trade up to draft Mahomes, and it's worked out about as well as it's ever worked out for anyone to do anything, right? Like, uh, it's just perfect to have an MVP who has you in the AFC Championship game and then he wins the Super Bowl by playing awesome when he's down 10 points in the fourth quarter. It's just been a dream for them. But it's clearly the outlier type of situation to get Mahomes. He is an alien. He is not normal. I just saw a stat that he went 13 for 17 with 299 yards in just third and 15 or more situations this year. He was just the best in every category, and he probably will be for a really long time. So as we talk about how they can win going forward. And a lot of us seem to be looking at it and saying, okay, moving on from Kirk makes a lot of sense and trading up for Tua and all those scenarios sound more interesting and fun than it is to stick with Kirk. But my question is, maybe Courtney, you can answer this first and then Alex, but like, 
Is it is it unfair to say, look, they just did that with Mahomes because he's just the total outlier, crazy situation that does not ever happen? I just don't think it's realistic because you're not going to find that guy every single draft. You might not find him every two or three drafts. Like to, to expect that you can just look at Tua right now and say, that's a Mahomes-esque player. Sure. But can you expect him to be that level if you still, I mean, you'd be, you'd be playing under Kirk for one more season if the scenario panned out where you did get him at two or whatever and, you know, you brought him in and you're still in, I guess, win now-ish mode, but you'd be in win now for real mode in 2021. Um, I just think it's too hard to project. Like, no one was projecting that Patrick Mahomes, year, you know, four years ago was going to win a Super Bowl at age 24. No mm-hmm. one was projecting how quickly this thing was going to pan out. So to to go in there and say that you have your game-changing franchise quarterback is one thing, but to expect him to play at the level of an alien, essentially, (laughs) with what you have with Patrick Mahomes, I just don't know if that... I think you need more than just... I don't know. You you just can't project that out to me. Here's the problem that I'm having. I think when you're looking at this, number one, when you talk about Pat Mahomes, I feel like he already has more awards than Eli Manning does and he's already written his own (laughs) way into the Hall of Fame. Like, think about what has he done in two years of play? Like, dude, you were the league MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl winner. Like, all right, start start making his bust now. Like, this kid is incredible. What he's done, nobody could have ever predicted that to happen because this never happened. Like, nobody's ever just came in the league and had this many teams kind of bow down to him. Like, dude, listen, we don't know how to stop him. Good good luck. I mean, you can literally not put a final blow on this kid. You're, you're beating on him the whole game and finally he just creates a little bit of magic and all of a sudden the team catches fire and it's insane, but... When you're talking about doing it, I love the idea of drafting somebody and letting them sit for a while and let them see because yeah. the, pro- the problem is this. People are like, oh, my God, whoever it is, Tua, uh, Trevor Lawrence, whoever it is. When you come to the NFL, this is like a huge step. It's bigger than from high school to college, in my opinion, because the game has changed so much. It's evolved into its own little weird world where it's all these different offenses versus all these different defenses, and we used to categorize them in so many different ways, and it's like, Dude, my head's spinning. And then you get out there, and as a rookie quarterback, I couldn't imagine having to know all your reads, all your hot routes, all your kills, all your checks. Oh, is it two or one? I'm not sure. My head's spinning. Like That's why these guys at City Year now are just they are blossoming because their trial by fire happens behind closed doors and nobody sees it and nobody's picking on them and no one's making fun of them and nobody's like, God, that was a terrible pick. And they're not hearing that. What they're hearing is coaches say, hey, listen, he's growing. He's learning. He'll never throw that again, I guarantee it. <laughs> you know, But it's behind closed doors, so he naturally becomes more confident. And yeah. then all of a sudden when it's his time to shine, he's like, dude, I've done this before behind the scenes. Let me show you what I can really do. But that's all a matter of perception. It's what does the offensive coordinator or head coach or what does Rick see in somebody? Hey, listen, I see a lot in this guy. This is my guy. Do I see somebody in this draft? Not really. Maybe. I mean, Tua before the injury was something different. I feel like this injury because a hip is so important. And we just don't know. Right. Like, people never, said right. they saw him walking around in Miami at the Super Bowl. And, <laughs> Looks I mean, great. Great scouting report, but we just don't know. Right. I mean, and you don't I know. I looked right he, at his hip. Well, totally is it going to mess with them when he's rolling out and he throws? Is yeah. he, you know, I mean, you're going to expect a kid like that to be a, a, a Patrick Mahomes. You're going to be on the move a lot, dude. We expect you to make second plays, uh, you know, make these plays count more and, and, and really punish a back end of a defense because you're running around and they lose contain. I mean, that's if you can't do that, it's going to be like, dude. I mean, his combine is going to be so – I mean, I feel bad for that kid about how much they're going to make him do. And, and when it comes to Tua – 
his name is the one we use because we assume he's the second best quarterback and we assume Burrow's going number one. You never do know. Like Justin Herbert is six six and has massive hands, so someone could always draft him number one and surprise us. It's really just about the position and taking one of the top guys. So we mentioned Tua Tugaviola because people have watched him play a lot at Alabama. Now, circling back to the idea about making the Mahomes comparison and whether it's fair to say, well, look, the Chiefs did it and they won the Super Bowl, so the Vikings should do it. Go in the red shirt route. I, I think, and just drafting a guy when you're a win-now team, like drafting someone with a high draft pick and trading draft assets when you are in win-now mode with a veteran team is what the Chiefs did. And I think that the reason you can compare it is not because you think Tua is going to be Mahomes. I don't think anybody's going to be Mahomes for a while. But I think the process is right. The process of looking at your team and saying, okay, this quarterback that we have, he's real good. But we can only get so far with him plus his cap hit. And where we might be able to get farther, as someone like the Kansas City Chiefs have, and the Seattle Seahawks did with Russell Wilson, and even uh, Alex, your 49ers with Colin Kaepernick, where you could change the dynamic here or change the formula a bit, is with that cap hit. So can you get the production in the second year of Tua or Justin Herbert or whoever it is that you're drafting in the first round? In his second year, can you get the similar production of Kirk with none of the cap hit or only a third or a fourth of the cap hit? That's where I think that even if Mahomes had turned out to be an average quarterback, they're still a great team because they can afford to get Sammy Watkins and overpay him. They can afford to have Frank Clark and sign him to a big giant contract as soon as he gets there, and and Tyron Matthew and bring him right in and sign him to a big deal. And that's where, when you compare it to the Vikings, you can say, yes, it's a similar situation and the process would be right, even though, Courtney, you do not expect him to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, because you're putting pieces around him, essentially. You're not going all in, essentially, with quarterback being, you know, the end-all be-all. You're realizing that in the early years, especially that, like Alex said, you're not putting that much on your quarterback. You're putting other pieces around him to help him. And even even if it's on defense, it still helps him because of yep. what this defense became, especially the second half of this season, after he came back from injury. So I think it's a valid point where, and, and it's a good model to follow because it just seems so rare that, like Alex was saying, like to have the guy come in and take over from day one and expect him to be Mahomes four years in, but in his rookie year. That's just not realistic. And you got to think, too, like if you get a guy, especially now, and let him sit in this offense, this is a very quarterback-friendly offense. You're yes. handing the ball off a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you're not at, you're, Now you're asked to get into the right plays. Now, don't get me wrong, that's not easy. I mean, everybody's like, well, how hard could it be to kill a play? Dude, it takes a lot. Because you got to think if you're wrong, like sometimes then they'll mess with you, too. And sometimes if you're wrong, you're going to get just – annihilated and then all of a sudden instead of it being like second and five it's second and 12 or second and 13 you know these are big decisions but when you talk about like standing back in the pocket and having to throw the ball this isn't like Patrick Mahomes that's why to me he's so rare it's because he is the whole offense like I know I feel like what you said was that even if they didn't have Patrick Mahomes they still would have made it to the Super Bowl and I don't agree with that because Patrick's so good that he has put them in they've come back how many times in the playoffs that just doesn't happen you don't come back 24 nothing yeah I think like, to, to win the Super Bowl you needed Mahomes would they have still been a very sure. good team if he didn't turn out to be this good I think they would have because they could put so much around him using all that cap space while he's on his rookie contract that was the point 
is that That's if fair. you're the Vikings and he doesn't turn out to be the next Mahomes, which whoever you draft won't, right, it's, right, right. it's can you put enough around him? Even this year with the 49ers, we don't mention this much, but Jimmy Garoppolo did not have some unbelievable through the roof. Even though he signed no. a contract, he did not have a massive cap hit. He will, and that's going to be a problem for them eventually, but I'm looking this up right now. It was $19.8 million, which is extremely reasonable for 2019. Next year, life gets harder for the 49ers because that goes up to 27. There was an, arg- an article today on PFT just talking about, you know, of course, we're in the midst of the Chiefs celebrating their Super Bowl win and how you kind of throw everything out to be able to get there. And they're one of the two lowest, I guess, you know, outside of the Vikings. Like their salary cap for 2020 is not huge. And you think about what the Chiefs have to do to get back there. Isn't the goal always to get back there? You celebrate yeah. one oh, yeah. one championship for about 15 minutes, and then you're always working on the next one. Yep. Well, you know, the 49ers are in a situation with how many restricted free agents they have to consider and some of their unrestricted guys that they might not look the same. Yep, and that's a why it's hard. A lot more of not looking the same than the Chiefs will. Because yep. you don't have to, I mean, I'm in the camp that you don't have to pay Mahomes right now. You never know. Sammy Watkins says that he might take a year off. Did you hear that? So, that was that was hysterical, by the way. Like I'm thinking about just taking a year off, guys. I he's just like this. I needed. You know, might be might <laughs> he's be got best the for money. He's he like, might be best for my money. family. Well, I think it's best for your family to make money. He doesn't. Have, well, he's uh, he got, doesn't need anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got, got the money. Ton. He had like forty million guaranteed on that deal, which is crazy. But you make a great point about the 49ers and how it's just really hard in the NFC when there's no Mahomes and there wasn't a Manning or a Brady. And that's why the NFC has just been a a merry-go-round of different teams showing up in the Super Bowl. That's probably your best argument for the Vikings is, well, you know, we were that close one time before and everybody kind of gets their shot at some point. It's whether you actually make it happen or not. Uh, If you're one of the top teams, that's one, one of their arguments for it. But the argument for sort of playing both sides of the coin, like San Francisco did for a year with Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith, is you can wait and see how good you think the other guy's going to be. And if you run it all the way to the end with Kirk, there's still a possibility he might stay. That you can run it all the way till he becomes a free agent and still sign him if you want to. There isn't, in my mind, a massive hurry to do this right now that they might want to just wait and see how it goes. Um, but that would be the logical thing, yeah. right? Yeah, I to think so. Let it play out at quarterback, but you could also be looking towards the future because that could be a tradable draft asset. If you really think, if Kirk gets you to the Super Bowl in 2020 and you did get Jalen Hurts in the second round, um, then I you, th- you've got to keep Kirk at that point. It'd be like the Flacco thing, where it's like, you want us yeah. a Super Bowl, you get to stay yeah. for well, a lot yeah. of money, even if you're but, not worth it. can't let him go after that. Well, no. even, even if he gets you to the NFC Championship, that's potentially, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I mean, technically that is that's a step a ahead. Word, um, but you could potentially use him as, Hurts, that is, as draft capital. Oh, oh like I very, see what you're very saying. good yes. draft yeah, capital. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you'd I, still be in an I okay position yeah. in terms of win now because you could upgrade using whatever that pick would be. Uh, Alex, do you think that the keeping of Gary Kubiak, let's we'll call it that, the uh, rehiring, hiring, what do we call it? Reassigning. He's here. Reassigning. Re-assigning. <laughs> yeah. Retitling. The not yeah. kicking him out the back door of Gary Kubiak. Uh, is that a sign of where this is going to go? Because I can get sold either way. Gary in the past has moved on from quarterbacks. Right. And he did it with Brian Greasy to Jake Plummer and then Jake Plummer to Jay Cutler, I think. Yeah. So in the past, he's been willing, or at least his franchises have been willing to say, yeah, you know, that guy's pretty good, but not great, so let's try again. Um, or does it mean, hey, Gary ain't coming back to slow play and teach a new quarterback? Like, right? I mean, I, 
I don't know you, which way, what that means, like how I should read that. Well, we talked about it the other day, about how it used to be a bunch of quarterbacks, and then all of a sudden when the running back got old, he brought in another one, and yeah, he ended yeah. up being great. I mean, dude, this is, I, we said it before, this is a very quarterback-friendly offense. Listen, you're either going to hand it to that guy or you're going to fake hand it to that guy and throw it to that guy. I mean, it's, it's really easy. And like you said, you can plug and play a lot of guys. The problem becomes this. What's the number? Everybody's got one. Is Does Kirk's go up? Because if it goes up, then it turns around to be like, listen, are we paying this guy really $35 million to hand the ball off to Dalvin? That's the guy we really need to pay. There's so many questions that don't involve football, which makes football hard, which kind of makes it annoying as well, though, because you're like, well, there is the cap you have to worry about. And you have to think, like, if Kirk were to hit free agency, what would he command? What would he take to stay? Is he going to take a team-friendly deal? I mean, is he here to be like, hey, listen, guys, I'm here to do this for the team? Or is he like, listen, I'm about the me too. I like the me product. I got to go. I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, you're just back to square one. But like we said before, it's nowhere new for Coops. He's just like, okay, great. Give me somebody. And then do you see somebody in this year's draft that you like? Or is there somebody in next year's draft that you like? There's so many question marks. The nice thing is, though, that with the history of Kubiak and what he's done with all those quarterbacks, and you do have Dalvin and you have Diggs and you have Thielen and you have Kyle Rudolph. I mean, you have a ton of weapons that whoever you bring in, as long as you're confident that they know what they're doing and they can somewhat actually read a defense, it's really hard not to go 8-8 eight and eight with this offense the way it's looking. I mean, you got to don't get me wrong, there's a piece or two that you have to fill in up front, but there's some really nice weapons around this quarterback. I will say this about the contract argument, because uh, you bring up a good point of like, what is he going to command? Is it going to be in the 36 and a half to 38 range? Because Maybe it goes down. Who knows? He's. I can tell you this. He's not taking, if he resigns this, this offseason, like if he signs this extension, it is not going to be. No chance. A, it could, a it team could, friendly deal. It is it, not going to be a hometown sure? deal. I promise you. Could bump- What's the, That's the problem, though, is like, what is he. I mean, what is so, he worth, and da- what are they? Dak saying to pay? that he wants forty. Dak saying he wants forty. I think Kirk wants forty. Would be, would, I that think, would be my guess. I, I think, think he Kirk, wants 40. I think Kirk would settle in the thirty-six and a half to thirty-eight range. So he will take a discount to come back. It's kind of a discount, or is that kind of his value? That's, That's what I'm I saying. Mean, like, either what way, is his value? A, if you were, I don't think he's worth forty, and I, but well, I don't is, think he thinks he's worth forty either. And to, to your point, like nobody really like who's the top quarterback right now, Mahomes. So they need to pay them now. Like Clark Conn can say whatever you want, but dude, you're either going to save fifty million dollars by paying them this year, or you're going to pay them that fifty million dollars if you get them to sign it next year. Whatever you do, I mean, your fifty million dollars is barring on you. So if you sign him now, you're going to save that money, and then he'll set the tone for everybody down. Because the question is, yep. you can't find out where Kirk is unless you find out where the top is. That's right. Sure. If I'm Kirk, and, I'm and not signing till Mahomes. Everybody's does. waiting. Everybody's going to wait until either Pat signs or I mean, or who's Deshaun. The next Deshaun's Desha- another one. Uh, are they going to pay him now? I mean, there's another one. You pay him now, you get him a little bit cheaper. Because if you pay him next year, it's automatically going up another year. Sure, I mean, because everybody's waiting on Mahomes. Right. And so it's, I mean, if Mahomes is $200 million, I mean, that's going to be <laughs> incredible. So let's say that they do decide to sign Kirk. We were talking earlier, Alex, about radical moves this team could make. Ooh. Uh, what would mm. be the radical move that could get them to be a legit like they're winning the NFC North and and have them be the team that everybody is talking about in the off season and and, and around Kirk and and become a legit contender from just an okay team as they were this year to who okay you're going to have to watch out for the Vikings. I mean, I think I mean, are we talking offense or defense? I'm or talking both? whatever you think it is. I really do think it's 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 more on the defensive side that they're looking for. I mean, is it are you looking for 
somebody to pair with Harry? Are you looking for your true cover corner? I mean, I think on offense, we just named all the weapons you have. I mean, you have a lot. And eventually, you're going to start having the problems that Cleveland had that we talked about way earlier this year about you have too much firepower, and now everybody's getting frustrated. Like, there's a, there's a really thin line between having just enough and having too much. And when you look at the offense, yeah, you're an, you're an offensive lineman away from being really dominant and being really amazing. On the defensive side, though, you're... Probably going to lose Anthony, and you need to get a corner, and you're wondering what's up with this defensive line. Are we trying to bring in somebody else like to spice it up? I mean, that's another thing, too, is I'm huge in bringing guys in because it's competition. Even if it's not a big-name guy, bring in somebody young. Bring in some, you know, even if it is a big-name guy, it's like, hey, listen, we're going to spice it up. We're going to make this interesting. And that's, to me, what you have to do. I'm looking more defensive than I am offensive. It's interesting because we have the AFC divisional game on in the studio uh, over to my over my left shoulder right now. Me too. And we, we were talking about it just with the Texans as the example there. Because what we were bringing up earlier, the radical thoughts, could you trade Diggs in the 25th to go up to two and get Tua? Or would you trade some scenario, even if it was not for this year, if it was more setting you up for 2021? Think about what the Texans did when they traded Jadavian Clowney, when they tried to retool the back end of their defense with reject first-round corners from Tampa Bay, from Oakland, um, and after they had let Tyron Matthew walk in free agency, Super Bowl champion Tyron Matthew yeah. walk mm-hmm. in free agency. I just don't think your team gets any better when you trade away your best players. So, I mean, the argument with Diggs, like, it doesn't make you better right now. It might make you better down the road. Um, and same thing with Dalvin. Trading away your best offensive asset period on your entire team the guy who where all your firepower comes from does not make you better in 2020 i don't think you could trade anybody on offense you're gonna need all those guys down the stretch you're gonna need Diggs. you're gonna need Thielen. you're gonna need rudy you're gonna need dalvin i think if you're gonna trade somebody you're looking on the defensive side and you're saying what do you need this is what i need like do you need a pass rusher do you need a run stopper you tell me what you need i'll tell you what i need and you 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 can't afford to give up anybody on offense you don't even have a there's no third receiver like you can't mm-hmm. go from two to one, then you're really going to put yourself in a pickle. Like, okay, any play action that we had is now gone. Uh, we're going to sit back here. They're just going to double feeling the whole time. I mean, Rudy's going to come up big at times, but he's not going to be the whole game plan. I mean, the offensively, I think you you can't afford to give up anything over there. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, Courtney, our draft scout, has just walked in, so we have to get uh, a take on an article from Dane Brugler, who's a draft expert for The Athletic. He proposed some potential trades that uh, might be interesting. We want to talk about that with Courtney, our draft scout, and uh, we'll give our reactions as well. And then let's let's take a look at the rest of the NFC and what we think is going to change the most throughout this offseason. We'll do that when we return. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and ESPN's Courtney Cronin here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to Purple Daily in just a moment. But first, you can join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes Saturday, February 22nd. Join our team or donate to Team KSTP at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. One of the more popular rumors out there right now is a possible Stefan Diggs trade. And here's what Tom Pelissero of NFL Network said. If you missed it yesterday, I'm Mackie Judd with Rami. Tom Pelissero joined the boys and was asked about the possibility of Stefan Diggs getting traded this offseason. Here's what he said. The Vikings have a lot of decisions to make through the course of this offseason. They've got 
I want to say it's over $211 million in salary cap commitments, uh, which means that they're going to have to make some cuts. Um, you know, and then you're trying to find that balance between do you keep, you know, where do you invest that money? Mike Zimmer is always going to want to keep as much of the defensive court together as possible. Um, but if you do want to retain some of those players, then, you know, staring at a $14.5 million cap number for Stephon Diggs next year, um, you know, you can make an argument that's one spot that you could potentially free up some money. That's been your score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, former NFL player Alex Boone, and current ESPN Vikings reporter and ESPN radio star at times, Courtney Cronin. I was driving around the other day, and I hear Courtney Cronin with whoever on late night ESPN. So glad that you're getting those opportunities. Thank Um, you. Don't be humble. Um, I I was actually really hoping that you were going to tout my draft scoutness. Well, that's what's coming up next, because I was going to say... Can can this be like my lead into it? Not only do you cover the Vikings and do fill-in work on ESPN Radio, but you are also one of the nation's great draft scouts. Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. It's good every time. <laughs> it is. Manny, awesome. Manny is so good at his job. <laughs> yes, oh he is. I wish I had a voice like that because I would just I make them for myself every day. Uh, that would be awkward if you did. Um, what, do you, what do you have for us on the NFL Draft? Courtney, our draft scouts. Well, it's, it's still like three days into the real, or two days into the offseason. That's what makes this so um, great. I did read Dane Brugler's mock draft 3.0, so he's already draft scouting, probably wow. been draft scouting since December. Um, his mock draft for uh, 2020. Draft season is so 3.0 has already started? Oh I know, God, God right? Um, it stresses me out, actually, to Does it? of that. But they, he has, we're just, let's go Vikings first before he did five trades in here that make a ton of sense. One of them being for Tua, which is the one I want to look at. But let's start with the Vikings. So he has Minnesota taking Josh Jones, who is the uh, tackle, offensive tackle out of oh, Houston. So okay. 25, he is predicting that they, maybe they want to go back to last season's thinking of moving Riley Reef inside to guard, which Alex, I know that we've talked about that ad nauseum and why that would or would not work. Um, but just that offensive tackle is one of their top priorities this offseason, and I it makes sense. So, yes. But is that somebody who's going to be your day one left tackle at 25? Are you considering then moving Brian O'Neill over? Like, what does this become? Do you keep Reef for one more year? Well, and if then this, you, this is basically projecting that you're moving Jones. him inside yeah. the guard. Yeah, you can't you you can't oh. draft a lineman to wait. Oh, so you move him to guard, yeah. and then he moves out after you get rid of Reef. No, I think you would move Reef inside to guard now. Oh, Reef moves to guard because that was Oof. talked about last yeah, we were year. About that. Yeah, and all last off season. And Mike Zimmer, remember at the owners' meetings, was talking about toying around with that idea, but it obviously never panned out. Rookie and, left tackle, man. Yeah, that's just kind of yeah, where. Cleo I'm Mack, thinking. no big deal. Yeah, that's that's definitely Darius Smith, no big deal. That's definitely what you want with Kirk Cousins. Just that's, like rookie center worked out yeah. super great. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Vikings related bit there. But uh, mm. the one that I thought was kind of interesting, because so many people I think are wondering where Tua is going to go, how the order is going to go with uh, quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Tua, and then Justin Herbert would be, I guess, the fourth, the third taken third. off. So he's going to the Chargers. Um, this one, the first trade here is that the Dolphins get Dolphins and Lions do a whole bunch of trading around, and the Dolphins get. 
the third overall pick, so that would be Detroit's pick. Yeah. Um, they draft Tua, and the Lions get the fifth overall pick in 2020, which is the Dolphins, and then they get a second round pick at number 39, a 2021 second rounder, and a 2021 mm. fourth rounder. Fake made-up trades are the best. Numbers uh, are just going across my face, dude. So, so, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, why, why was that? Basically, Miami trading for Tua. For Tua. And with, I, with well, I Detroit. love it for Miami. They would be getting their quarterback to sit for a year behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is just the best. So he's a great guy to sit behind. It gives them time to spend money in free agency, to stack up their roster, to draft other players with all their draft capital, and then put Tua in a position to potentially win in 2021. It's kind of the same idea that we're talking about, only they need to build up the rest of the roster first. What did you think of that um, for Detroit? Because they draft a cornerback here. Is it a hot take to say, Alex, that Detroit should be kind of looking into a or a quarterback also? No. I mean, but I mean, I think it depends on what's going on with Matt Stafford. I mean, I'm a fan of Stafford, and I've said that from the beginning. I think he can throw the ball, and he, I mean, we clearly know he's tough. But, I mean, you can only be tough for so long. And if you are going for Tua, I, number one, I wouldn't be surprised. I think a lot more people are going to start showing up more for. Uh, to uh, and other quarterbacks than you think, but just because of the nature of what we've been talking about, everybody now is like enamored with this Patrick Mahomes, and they're like, "Dude, we need to find our Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. We need to go get this." And if we don't have somebody like Deshaun Watson on our team, or Lamar Jackson, or one some of these young quarterbacks that are out here, Kyler Murray, like we got to go look for one and find one. I feel like this is going to be the next thing to hit the league because every now and then you see like a trend happen, and this is going to be what it is: is who can make these plays last longer, who can scramble. Mm -hmm. I mean, the quarterbacks that are sitting in the pocket are just I mean, no offense to Jimmy, but there was a little bit of it at the end of the game, and yep. you saw what happened. Like they're, They just get big and wide-eyed, and you're like, yeah, you're looking at what it's going to take to win the Super Bowl, and it seems like this. everybody wants that. And so looking at this year, people, I think, are going to start showing more interest in the quarterback position. And, and I agree on Tua because he is a guy, he's not a running quarterback, but a guy who can move around the pocket and make plays and do special things that would catch the eye of, of teams. And if you're Detroit and Matt Stafford has a $31 million cap hit, in 2021 or 2020? No, it must be 2021. Then you would consider moving on and and thinking about like retooling around Tua and moving forward onto the next phase of the Lions past Matt Stafford. I think a lot of teams in the NFC have so much up for grabs. So I was going to ask you, Courtney, do you have anything else for Courtney, our draft scout, that you uh, wanted to add? Well, I can I go to the NFL NFL.com? They did a three-round mock. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Because um, I just have a question about the NFC for both of you, but... Go, this one's interesting. Continue because to draft scout. This this <laughs> this reminds me of the status quo argument. Um, some guy named Chad Reuter, who is their draft analyst for NFL.com, put together his three round mock, which February fourth, a three round mock makes my head want to spin. <laughs> um, but he has the Vikings taking with a twenty fifth overall pick a cornerback, one that is familiar to a certain wide receiver oh. on the team, and Trayvon Diggs, which. Interesting. I don't think you'd be trading Stefan right, away right. if you have if you're drafting his brother, but this goes with the status quo argument. Draft a corner in the first round. Yep. I mean, you've only yep. done it what four and, out of the last five seasons, something like Trayvon that. Trayvon Diggs is also the Mike Zimmer corner. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's big and he's long and he's got the athleticism. His Rhodes when like a couple years ago. Yep. Yep. Um, this, the the funny thing about this though is notice what I don't say the Vikings take uh, in this mock. So. 58th overall, they draft K.J. Hamler out of uh, Penn State, wide receiver. Okay. So you 
might have your number three right there. Round three. Tell me this isn't status quo Vikings. Uh, of Defensive all- tackle. Yes. yes. Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. <laughs> so not an offensive lineman. Not an lineman. offensive lineman. We- so where are you getting your offensive line help? Can we circle back, though, on the Trayvon Diggs thing? Let's say that it's sort of a kill two birds with one stone type of thing to also try to keep Stephon Diggs happy. Uh, Alex, I, I want to know, based on your experience with other football players, when you're under contract but not super thrilled with your situation, like how does that go? Because Diggs, the, it was weird with Diggs. Week four, it got <laughs> super weird, and it yeah. just sort of got put in the back closet. But it's got to be out uh, this offseason with his relationship with Zimmer, with the team, with what they want to do on offense. And I, I just wonder what it is like when you have someone who's kind of obviously not super thrilled about their situation, but uh, they can't really do anything about it. Well, number one, you can never really talk about someone's money situation ever, like unless they bring it up to you. But you feel it. I mean, you know it's awkward. You know they walk around, and sometimes they're a little bit bitter. Sometimes they're upset. Sometimes they show it. Sometimes they don't. I think it really just depends on the person and the player. I think that a lot of guys that handle it with class are very businesslike, you know, and they're just like, listen, man, it's whatever. You know, don't worry about it. There are some guys at times that make a big stink about it. You're like, man, listen, this is getting weird. Dude, knock <laughs> it off. Like, dude, come on, don't drag us into this. This is yeah. this doesn't need to be like this. And, you know, it, that's why sometimes, man, when you're watching this game, it's so much different. Like, it's so fun to watch it on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, it's a, such a different game. It really turns into a business. And it's, you, like you said, at times you can feel the frustration of guys. And I remember an offensive lineman that it was like, <laughs> Like, I, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry for him. Like, I was like, dude. Like, he was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not coming back anymore. And I didn't know whether to laugh or cry because I was like, dude, stop. You're coming back. You're coming back, right? Like, you will be back, right? <laughs> but, you know, you never know. And you never know what someone's going to do. I mean, this is this, this career of football that we call it is so short that you don't want to mess around anymore. And guys take it more serious now, their craft. And so, you know, whatever happens with Diggs, it'll be interesting to see. I saw him at the Super Bowl and he seemed super excited and happy and, and, you know, energetic. So it didn't seem like anything was wrong. Yeah, and I saw some interviews with him, and he was talking about you know Kobe Bryant and things like that. Yeah. And, and he reacted to the offense. Re- he reacted know. to a tweet from last week um, saying LOL to a scenario, I guess, in which someone was saying he should be traded. Oh, okay. Well, that says everything then, because Diggs' <laughs> tweets are really super clear. Yes. And, Truth uh, to all rumors. And make it obvious exactly what he's thinking. Um, well, I, I was going to ask you what you think that they could tell Stefan Diggs. I mean, first, he's under contract, so they could tell him, Bro, sorry, you, sorry, bud, you got to play, which is, I think, what they told him last year, was you signed the deal, you took the signing bonus, so guess what, bud, you're playing, and you're good, and if you remember the Schefter tweet, People called on Stephon Diggs, and they told him, F no, we're not trading Stephon Diggs. So clearly the um, front office does not want anything to do with moving Diggs. Uh, How do you think, though, they could make him happy, though? Would it be drafting his brother? Is that a way to make him happy? Because you know the offense isn't going to change. Like, sure, he'll be featured whenever they can feature him, but you think Adam Thielen's going to have a bounce-back season. I mean, he has to to justify that contract, and you know, if he's healthy, he's a good player. So that's another thing that takes away, essentially, from, from Stefan's targets or target share and with Dal- Dalvin Cook in the mix. So I don't think there could be much that changes on offense other than just a promise of, we'll throw you the contested balls, you can be a deep, you know, we, yeah. you can be the deep threat you want to be, et cetera, et cetera. Drafting his brother, though, I mean, keep it in the family, right? Like, that's it. not the worst. There's a lot of things where we're bringing in people's sons and 
uh, you know, <laughs> promoting people's sons that is and, true. and promoting well, dads I, and the whole thing. Big like, family team. Big I, family team. I, I was thinking about last year when they brought in his other brother who went Marshawn, to UAB yeah. to give him a tryout, which obviously that wasn't it wasn't going to work. He's not the type of prospect that Trayvon is. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting where we didn't see Diggs and OTAs and then we did see him and then his brother was there. It's like, okay, what is going on with him? And we already had the sense that it was it was a little bit weird. Do they do that, Alex? Do they have conversations with players that say, "Look, I know this is what you want. Let's let's try to work this out." Or are NFL teams more like, "Bleep you, you're going to do what we tell you." Dude, bleep you. They don't even tell you what they're going to do. If you don't come back, I mean, I can tell you that from experience, they are, they're not happy. They're not happy at all. Like if you don't show up, they're like, "Listen, dude, what's the problem?" Oh, the OTAs what? and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Huge Even deal. though those are voluntary, do yes. they? Okay. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. When I wouldn't come, they'd call me like, "Dude, why are you not here?" And it was like for a while. It, honestly, my excuse was because you have a tennis coach as your strength coach. I refused to play <laughs> under his tennis coach, and that's what he was. He was a tennis strength coach, and he blew out my back. And I was like, I refuse to let that guy get anywhere near me. But when you talk about that, they're like, "Dude." You need to be here right now. This is vital. This is imperative. You're like, dude, it is May. We're good. Like, I'll be there soon. I'm coming. Calm down. I'm also like 38 years old. They also like, just what? retroactively broke the CBA by saying that dude. to you. Well, no but, question. They do it all the time. But yeah, listen, when it comes to digs, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, shut up and fall in line. Listen, yep. bro, this is how it goes. I mean, I think that because this is, and it has nothing other than to do to this. If you cater to one guy, you have to cater to everybody because sure. then all of a sudden somebody's going to jump. Diggs in the important ladder, and then he's going to go. Well, if Diggs did that, watch what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. Like it just constantly gets outdone because why? We're alphas. We we think we look at ourselves and go, well, if he got that, I I know what I'm getting, and I'm going to get it right now. I mean, if you cave once, everybody knows you will cave forever. So I think what they say to him is this: Listen, you signed that deal, you're coming back, and if you're not here come August one, we're just going to start finding you. Like I've I've found that most teams that just are straightforward with you, they don't they mean business. Mm-hmm. Listen. This is great that you're not here. You do what you want. Come August 1, if you're not here, big fine comes. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And, that, and that's where we're going to find out, I think, this offseason. Well, you'll find out earlier. Right. Well, you'll find out through the mini camp because the mini camp, and they don't tell you these things, but let me tell you, boys and girls, that mini camp costs a lot of money, and you cannot get that rescinded. If you hold out in camp and you resign with that team, they will rescind that no matter what. They're never going to fine you because why, hmm. why, why would you come back? We're giving this brand new deal, but we're going to take three million because you didn't show up. <laughs> right, yeah. You'd be like, "No, I'm not going to sign that deal. That's stupid." So that no matter what happens, they will always rescind that. The mini camp money is ninety thousand. You cannot yeah. get that rescinded because mm. that's NFL money. And that's, shouldn't that's how you? That's how they tell you that they're really. If you miss that, you know somebody's going into a holdout because you got to be prepared to walk away from a hundred grand. He's right. Think about the Jadavian Clowney situation. Right. He missed the whole thing, and he knew at that point he was going to bet on himself with a contract negotiation. Like trade me, and right? And I, I'm curious, too, because we were talking about this earlier with Diggs' contract. So his base salary, which is like about $11 million for this year, goes it's fully guaranteed on the third day of the league year. It becomes guaranteed. Right. Um, do you anticipate that we find something out before then, before essentially the wave of free agency hit, if he is going to be traded, if this is more than just us talking in the offseason? Or is that something that could potentially play out you know, beyond the draft? I think it plays out beyond the draft. I, I, I mean, I, I honestly don't see anything happening right now. Everybody's like, this is like the calm down period, you know? And if there was something to be had, it'd be already had, I think. And it's right now, everybody's going into this. And like I said before, they're, they're looking at this offense going, okay, this is what we have. We can absolutely, we have to gain pieces on offense. We can't be giving away pieces. I honestly think that somehow they're going to have to work it to where 
they kind of put their foot down and at the same time they say, listen, dude, you're right. We're going to make an, a conscious effort to get you the ball more. But you need to understand that you are part of a bigger machine. Mm-hmm. You, this, this isn't the Dalvin show or the Diggs show. Like you got to come with us on this journey. We really need you. He's extremely important to this offense. Yeah. I get why he's upset. He wants the numbers. Like Every alpha athlete is always going to want the ball in crunch time. I totally get that. But the, you're so imperative to this offense because you take the top off the defense for us, and that's what's going to set everybody else up. It's just sometimes hard to understand that when you're in the moment. But when you look back on this, you're going to be like, dude, uh, you were a team player. You did this. You're going to make your money eventually. You're going to get another contract. It's probably going to be here with us. We'll figure it out. But, like, you need to come with us. Do I see him resisting? I really I don't. I think that he proved his point this, this season, and I don't think he liked the image that came out on the other end. Yeah, that's true. And also, when you look at his situation, you could be doing worse. Courtney brought up how Odell Beckham went from a bad situation to maybe even a worse situation with definitely, the Cleveland definitely Browns. Definitely more chaotic situation where he had, as he said, he this was the promised land for him. He chose this, essentially. Mm-hmm. Even though it was a trade, this is exactly where he wanted to go, and the grass was certainly not greener. Right. It doesn't always work out the way that it did for Amari Cooper in going to Dallas. And if you think, hey, well, they'll actually throw me the ball there, you never know who else is going to emerge or what their offense is going to look like or who's going to get hurt or who the coach and offensive coordinator are going to be. Uh, in this case, for Diggs, the devil you know might be still pretty good for you, but yes. there's also got to be in the back of his mind. And I'm glad that you brought up that great athletes think this way because sometimes I think the fan perception is, pull selfish, uh, which, okay, I get where you're coming from, but if Diggs believes that he has the talent of DeAndre Hopkins and he should get 150 targets and he should be in the Pro Bowl and he should be on the cover of Madden and he should he has the talent to be everything that Antonio Brown was, say, for example, and you're the third least throwing team in the NFL, you could see where he'd be like, come on, I know I have that talent. And then Sage Rosenfels went back and posted some clips of... The, the playoff game against the 49ers. And there were some where Diggs was roasting Richard Sherman, as great as he is, I'm sure. but doing what Sammy Watkins did to Sherman off the line of scrimmage or out of the breaks of his routes and not getting the football. And if that, you guys see every play. You look at it on tape and you go mm-hmm. back and you look and you go, so I got four catches for 43 yards in this game, but I roasted one of the best cornerbacks in the league about 13 times and didn't get the football because we wanted to run or, or we got sacked or, or whatever it was. We wanted to take deep shots every single time instead of throwing some of these quick passes to me. It does have to get frustrating at some point. Agreed, but the problem is the San Francisco just went out and did it with a smile on their face. Like nobody complained on that team. So I feel like if you are the guy now that speaks up, it's kind of like, whoa, man, why why can't you just go with the flow? Why can't you just get with the team and get with it? Like no matter what you say, this will be a run first team. And Diggs, we're sorry to tell you that, but it will be a run first. And like you said, Courtney, there's a great chance that Thielen's going to have a huge bounce back year and he's going to have a good numbers. So Diggs, your numbers might. They're probably, we're hoping they get better, but they're probably not going to be much better. But you're right. When you're looking at the games, how many times is he open that Kirk's either getting hit, running around, or he's like, Mm -hmm. dude, I don't know what's... I mean, that's the problem. And so that's why the more I was thinking about this as the Super Bowl was over, the more you're like, you know what, man? Is Kirk really the answer? Is Kirk really going to be the answer for the next six, seven years? Because you're not going to teach an old dog new tricks. Like You're not just going to wake up one day and go, hey, Kirk, 
By the way, when this blitz is coming, just throw it to the right, man. No worries. You That's got what they this. they tried to convince us of last <laughs> right. year. You right. can't do that. It doesn't happen. That's why everybody wants this young blood. They want this fresh meat. They're like, hey, man, listen, let's get somebody that can wing it down the field. We'll teach them football from somebody our perspective. Somebody that can perspective. move is what you're getting at, too. Right. Somebody like, that doesn't look like schedule. a deer. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Uh, real quick, I want to circle back on a great point you just made, Alex, because the 49ers right now, I'm sure – because they went to the Super Bowl, they're sad, but everyone's like, yeah, we, we're going to go back and we're going to do it again next year. It's it, it, it's going to have the sound of the 2017 and 2018 Vikings. Courtney, do you think that the goodwill and the, hey, I'll sign whatever contract you put in front of me, just let me be around these boys, is that gone off of this team, this Vikings team? For the Vikings? Yeah. Um. Yes, because I think players even realize where the ceiling is with this team. I'm honestly a little shocked, just to be quite transparent about this with the 49ers. Like, I know that's the notion that they'll be back. They still have all this firepower, and they are a very young team. But you're in the process, potentially, of losing your 13-year left tackle in Joe Staley. Like, how are you going to replace that? Is McGlinchey going to move over there? Are you automatically saying you're going to have one of the best? One of your favorite players, McGlinchey. Um, to have the best offensive line in football next year. I mean, that's one hit. That's one first thing. I mean, yeah. you saw where Jimmy Garoppolo can take you. You also saw the limitations on that third and ten play, that that's the type of stuff in big games that he just has not been able to show yet. I mean, granted, we've seen such a small sample size his first full season as a starter. Um, I don't I, know. I'm, I just mean, th- I'm thinking about this, the, the feeling in the locker room. That Terrence Newman tried to come back at age 400 to, mm. to try and win a Super Bowl in 2018. He obviously didn't have it left anymore, and they were probably going to cut him, so he became a coach. And uh, and you know, Hunter signs this sure. ludicrous deal that is one of the worst compared to his talent in the NFL. Dig signs. Really, when he could have just let it go the all the way. The guy's taking all the team-friendly deals because at Hendricks, that point in, they 20, they could win. in 2018, right. they felt they could win. And I think it's different now. Right now, you've had another two seasons. If you're looking at 2020, you've had two years of seeing, hey, this is where the ceiling of the team is. This is what the dynamic of the team. It's starting to shift over to offense. You're starting to see the defense in a version of itself where it needs to be retooled. I don't think guys think, hey, this is a win-now team. I think, and I don't know if they'd be like, dying, chomping at the bit to, to re-sign here or to come here as free agents. I think that it's a good but not great team. Yeah, am I, am I wrong, Alex, in thinking that eventually when things start to crumble a little bit, everyone looks around and goes, I got to get mine. Sorry, guys. This oh, is yeah, dude, listen, it's and for anybody that thinks that's selfish, that's just silly because you're out there beating the hell out of your body. You can do what you want. And I, I feel you You have to feel bad for a player that takes a team-friendly deal. Like the one thing in the NFL that you want to be is the most overpaid guy because there is nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Like I don't yes. think people ever – like when people used to say like you are the most overpaid, you'd be like, dude, she's not wrong, but that's amazing. Like you, you made <laughs> out with that one, buddy. Like, and it's, like that's what you want, and you're right. I think when people look at this now – and I've said this before. I think that the way that things are handled on the sidelines sometimes may scare people away because there are guys that are like, listen, man, do I really want to deal with that all the time? Do yeah. I want to deal with all this yelling? I mean, do I want to deal with a head coach that hates the offense? Do I really want to go into work like that every day? Like, it doesn't matter how much money you're paying me. If I'm depressed every day, you're not going to make me happy. So I think people now are going to turn around and go, listen, the team-friendly deals are over. we got to get what we got to get in max contracts. And how many guys are you going to lose to that? That's yeah. going to be the real telling well, 
That's a great point. Uh, and Alex, we will talk again on Thursday. I really enjoyed this discussion. It's sort yeah. of like big picture and what might end up happening here in a very, very exciting offseason. So Courtney will get together again soon. Uh, not next week and Tuesday because you're going to be skiing or something. I am. I'm going to try to keep my knees intact. But Courtney, our draft scout, will return. Oh, she so, will be back. Uh, we will hand the ball off now to Mackie and Judd with Rami. We'll catch you tomorrow here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.